0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can find them on the YouVersion Bible app. Just go to Events, and then you'll see Faith Christian Center. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's get right into it. And as I did last week, I have an interesting question for you to start off this message. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, as we get ready for that Question. Does anybody remember the original Matrix? I'm not talking about the one that just came out a couple weeks ago. I haven't caught up on my holiday of movies yet, so I haven't seen it yet. But the first Matrix that came out. And does anybody remember that scene with Morpheus and Neil? And he was talking with them and he gave them an option the red pill or the blue pill? He said, if I give you the blue pill, you'll go back to living life how the way it was. But if you take the red pill, I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody remember that scene? So, although it's a sci-fi movie and you know it's a movie, it's very close to real life. Because there are still red pills and blue pills today. You see, when you're born again, you're offered the red pill. But in order to actually walk out this life you have to continually take the red pill because every day Satan is offering you the blue pill every single day yeah I know you got saved and all but wasn't it better before you were saved no it wasn't before you were saved that's why you got saved but Satan will still offer you that lie that it was better living in the world or then he'll offer you the blue pill. It's like you know what they didn't say, they did not say hi to you at church today. You couldn't see this smile behind their mask. They, they mean, they don't like you. You should take a blue pill. All oh, those church people, they hypocrites. Take a blue pill. I can't believe that person voted that way. Take a blue pill. He's always offering you a blue pill to make you live a non-awakened life. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting with verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, "...in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on to them." Now I'll go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start with verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you has he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according, notice this here, to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of Israel disobedience. Now, the enemy is called here the principal of High of the air, or in the first passage we looked at, the God of this world. Lowercase g, he's the ruler of this world's systems. And the book of Revelation also tells us Satan is the deceiver. He deceives the entire world. He has the whole world tricked and has all of their eyes covered in darkness. And so the thing is, you can prove a point to somebody who's covered in darkness, but your point won't get them saved because they're tricked. Their eyes are covered in darkness. And I I want you to get this point real quick because it is good and scriptural to be able to give an answer for what you believe. You should. The Bible tells you to. It is fine to be able to theologically debate and convince those who do not walk with Christ. However, say however, all of those ways lack transformative power without the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of a praying church, and the power of believers doing what they are called to do on a regular basis. We have to do what God has called us to do as individuals. The first time you do what God's calls you to do shouldn't be when you are at church. Yes, do what God has called you to do at church, but you didn't do it in your everyday life. We must do what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, and as a church. See, your, de- your Facebook debate ain't going to save nobody. He said, Well, I had all these good points. You may not even argue with a person, it may be a robot responding to you. Your Facebook debate is not going to save them even if you prove all the good points, it's not the debate that saves somebody. It's the power of the Holy Ghost working on their heart. And if there's not a praying church and believers walking in the spirit, the debate won't save anybody, but you'll still just have heathens who've been convicted, who have lost the debate and going, well, I ain't gonna believe anyways. If we really want to offer the red pill to society, we need the work of the Holy Ghost. And so the reason why they can't see the good points you make, because you may be making some good points, is because their eyes are covered with darkness. They're tricked. And in some cases, the enemy has closed their ears. They can't hear you. You be talking all these good points, and you've been written in and out. You can't even rhyme. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, especially if you come from a certain church denomination, if it rhymes, You're spiritual. Come on, you, you extra anointed if you can rhyme. If you can rhyme it, you really good. And he's like, man, it rhymed. I have 55 scriptures, and they still looked at me crazy. Well, first, you got to deal with the darkness. First, you must deal with the darkness. So I want to give you five points. It's not the main point of my message today, but I want to give you five points on how to pray for loved ones who don't know Jesus or are far away from God. Anybody have a loved one that's far away from Jesus right now? Someone, maybe a friend, a family member, or someone in your community that you want to see saved this year. Anybody? Five points. Say five points. Number one, darkness must be bound. Darkness must be bound. You need to use the authority God has given you. Now, concerning your life, you have authority over your life. Concerning those who live in your home, you still have authority, just less authority than you have over your own life. Other people in your family or friends in your community you have limited authority, but you have enough authority to bind the enemy. You don't have authority over their wills, but you have authority in the name of Jesus to tell that demon to shut up, to cease from its maneuvers, or what is this doing? You are binding the devil. You can't make anybody get saved, but you can stop the devil from talking in the ears. So in order to pray for someone to become into the kingdom of God, first you must bind the enemy. The darkness must be bound. You have to use the authority that's been given to you in the name of Jesus. Number two, you need to pray for the right labor to be sent across their path. We see in Matthew 9, 37 38, you must pray for the right laborer to be sent across their path. Because the right laborer may not be you. And you have to be okay with that. Sometimes your family member will not listen to you because they changed your diaper. But that's okay. You can believe the right person to come in. And so when you're praying for the right labor, it could be a person. It could be a post, a tweet, a TikTok, an email, a TV broadcast, a podcast. Don't matter, Jesus. You know the right thing. That you know who they will listen to, and you know how they will listen to it. So you pray for that right labor to come across their path. And the thing is this is something you pray often because how many of you got saved when the first laborer came across your path? Some of you took a lot of laborers, an army of laborers and prayer warriors and prayer mothers and a whole bunch of other people interceding and supplicating and travailing in Zion. And so with all that, you need to pray for the right laborers on a regular basis to come across their path, to minister the word to them in the way they can receive it. Number three, daily pray the Ephesians 1 prayer for the individual. Ephesians 1 prayer is fine in verse 16 through verse 23. Ephesians chapter 1, 16 through 23. Daily pray that prayer for the individual. That prayer deals with people's eyes being opened. It's a prayer I pray for myself all the time. I pray for you all the time. And I encourage you to pray for yourself and for me all the time. We all need our eyes continually enlightened. So this is a prayer you pray for the people you're believing for this year as well. Number four, daily pray for them in the Spirit. Daily pray for them in other tongues because you can pray all you know in your natural understanding, but you don't know everything you need to pray for. There may be some mysterious things, some things you can't see, some things in the Spirit you don't know how to deal with yet, and you don't even know what to say, but if you take some time and pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll handle it in the Spirit. So you need to daily, say daily, pray for them in the Spirit. You have to do it every single day. You know, one of the things we're going to do on Wednesday night, I'm going to do a series on praying in the Spirit. One of the things the Lord told me to do is go back to basics, and there's two topics he told me to start with. The first one is on praying in the spirit. And so we're gonna take it from the very beginning over several Wednesdays, walk it out. Because we must, I mean we must receive and walk in all the benefits that are given to us because we can pray in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost should not be relegated to when you felt a spiritual goosebump and you didn't know have any other words to respond, so you said something in other tongues. Yes, it's for that area, but that's not the only area. We need to use this gift God has given us so we can walk in what God has for us this year. Number five, daily thank God for the individual. Say daily. Well, pastor, they act in a hot mess. Thank God they're saved anyways. Father, I thank you for saving them. You know, I liked what one evangelist said, you know, they sat down with a certain celebrity and someone asked him, are they saved? Not close, but I treated them as a potential child of God. That's how you have to act. It hasn't happened yet. It will. Why? I'm praying. It's going to happen. Who, they acted a hot mess yesterday? I'm sure they did, but we're praying. Don't rule anybody out. No one. No one is too far. Because the thing is, they would have thought Saul of Tarsus, the terrorist, was too far in the book of Acts. Yet he got saved and became the Apostle Paul. No one's too far. You just stay in that place of prayer. And so these are the five steps that you need to walk out if you're going to pray for an individual to come into the kingdom of God, especially a family member, a loved one, someone in your community. Does anybody here have people like that that you want to be saved this year? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you right now. Stand to your feet. And if you want, I would like to pray for them for the next 30 days. So if you have their name, email it to info at FCCGA.com, and I'll pray for them for the next 30 days. We're believing that they get saved, Amen. So you have this person in your mind and your heart, Let's lift them up to God right now. Father, I lift up these individuals to you. You know each and every single one represented in this room and represented online. We come together as a faith family, and we use the authority given us in the name of Jesus. We bind the enemy, every harassing spirit, every lying spirit, every power of darkness that is covering their eyes, covering their ears, keeping them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel, and the authority of Jesus. Cease from your maneuvers, cease from your lies, Remove your hands and your being from them so they can see clearly. Father, now we pray that you send the right person across their path to minister the Word to them in a way they can receive it. We pray that they have ears to hear, eyes to heart to no and know, understand what you have for them. So we pray that you, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding are being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in us and in Christ, when he raised us from the dead, and set us at your own right hand in heavenly places, far above all things. You put all things under our feet. And for these individuals, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And Father, I ask for you to have mercy upon them and their lives. Grant them more time. Preserve them so they have more opportunities to make decisions for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Come on, praise God like it's done. Father, we thank you. 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 Glory God. I learned this from the Brims. I learned this from the Brims, and I was just prompted by the Spirit of God to do this. I learned this from Dr. Billy Brim and Pastor Colin Gatewood. They said, he said, turn around and look at the door and imagine that person you are believing for. Walk through those doors and answer the altar call. Can look at those doors, look at those doors. For those of you online, imagine, imagine that they're walking in and they came through those doors and came to the altar and got saved. How would you act right now? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. He may be seated in his presence. Glory to God. We have to be a praying church. To drive the, home, the point to some of you who are newer here watching online, yes, I am a millennial who loves sci-fi, as you can tell by the Matrix examples today and Back to the Future last week. But listen to this millennial who loves sci-fi. Zion must travail. There has to be a praying church. There has to be a church that takes time to pray for the lost. That we can't be so focused on just us and us getting blessed and being good. You say, well, Pastor, all my family saved. I'm good, but what about the neighbor next door? Well, I got them saved. What about down the street? I got them saved. Come on, keep extending your territory. Let's get some more. Pray them in. Somebody prays you in. So pray others in. Darkness is not destroyed because of a successful debate. An awakening needs to be ignited. And it is our vision to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. So I want you to understand this as well. Darkness is so, the darkness out there is so deceptive and strategic. If a believer does not stand on guard, they can be lulled by it and inebriated by it. The darkness out there so deceptive and so strategic, even a believer who has taken the red pill, who has been awakened to the things of God, can be lulled back to sleep and inebriated by the world's ways. That's why I say continually you must choose a red pill because Satan's out there always offering the blue pill. Every single opportunity. Hey, go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Hey. Don't don't mess with those church people. Go ahead. Nah, you don't need to read your Bible. Go. He's always offering the blue pill to make you go back to sleep. So we have to be on guard. Say, we have to be on guard. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. Come on, people online, put it on chat. Say, we have to be on guard. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Notice what the apostle Paul says to this holy ghost Build church. He's not talking to unbelievers. It's not an evangelistic message where he's about to give an altar call. He's talking to the church. Say the church. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty four. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now this word awake here is very interesting because Pastor Kurt doesn't mean wake up. This is not this is what the word means. You guys are ready for this word means? This word awake means to return to oneself from drunkenness. It means to become sober. Metaphorically, it means to return to soberness of mind. Notice the strength of that word. It's not just wake up. Get out of your drunken stupor. You've become drunk on the ways of the world. you become drunk on sin. you become drunk on darkness. So get up from your drunken stupor sober up, this is what the Holy Ghost is saying through the Apostle Paul, says, awake to righteousness. Now the word righteousness here is not our standing, even though it's included in this. This word righteousness means to what is right. Awake from your drunken stupor and turn to what is right. He's talking to a Holy Ghost filled church See, they've been awakened before, but they have allowed the enemy to inebriate them in the ways of the world. The way he got in was through division. And then he went wild. The church at Corinth was a church gone wild. Division opened the door, and they began, as Paul said in this letter, to sin worse than the world. In the church. And the thing is, the people in the church were fine with it because they thought they had a superior revelation of grace, and that's why they allowed it. And Paul's like, no, this is not how this thing works. It's like that commercial of the uh, cedar going, that's not how any of this works. And this is what Paul is doing for the first six chapters. They asked him a question, they sent Paul a letter. And he says, before I can even answer your question, he spent six chapters getting them together. And the reason Paul knew this information was from the Holy Ghost, but it was so bad that there was a family that came to where Paul was, not close by the way, they traveled and it says, Paul, Bruh, it's going wild back, back in Corinth. This is what they're doing. And see, so the thing is, Corinth was not like it was a conservative city those morally upright, that was, you know, staunch in the ways of doing right. Corinth was the city known for going wild. There was a phrase back in that time that if you had a wild Friday night, they said you acted like a Corinthian. That's what that city was known for. Yet now it's getting out into the world. It's like, man, those Christians, they more wild than us. They sin worse than us. And Paul said, wake up from your drunken stupor and turn to what is right. They allow the enemy to offer them the blue pill. And they turn back from living right. And now they've been lulled to sleep and inebriated by the ways of the world. If we're going to be effective in today's culture, and ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. We must not be inebriated with the world and lose our soberness of mind. See, the soberness of mind is important, especially in days like these, because Jesus talked about soberness of mind when he talked about the end times. He said, you know, in the same past, men's hearts fail them with fear, but he also talked about people becoming drunk with worry, drunk on anxiety. And when we look around, people are drunk on worry. They drunk on anxiety. That's why they're drunk and high on hope so much of other things too because they're drunk on worry and they're drunk on anxiety. We can't be caught up in that. We must maintain our soberness of mind. We must daily renew our minds with the word of God. We must awake to the ways of God. Say awake to the ways of God. Go ahead and put it in the chat and let's say it again. Say awake to the ways of God. One more time, so we must awake to the ways of God. Remember, Isaiah 55 says his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Higher ways produce higher results. Say it with me. Put it on the line. Say, higher ways produce higher results. So if you want better results this year, you need to leave some higher ways. It's not just going to happen because the year turned. You're going to have to think higher and behave higher if you want higher results. Higher ways produce higher results. Lower ways produce lower results. And if you're tired of the lower results in your life, you need to start living the higher ways. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 33. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 33. Higher ways produce higher results. We must awake to the ways of God. Deuteronomy 5, verse 33. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. New Living Translation says it this way, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you're about to enter and occupy. How do we know if the word of God says it's once, it's important? Twice, really important. Three times, you better pay attention, right? In this book alone, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says it this way nine different times. Walk in the ways of God. Not once, not twice, not three times. Nine times in this one book alone. Walk in the ways of God. Now, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. The first generation, most of them are already gone. There's very few left going into the promised land. And the second generation, Moses recapping everything that happened the last 40 years and all the commands of God. And in the second giving of the law, he says at least nine different times, walk in the ways of God. Deuteronomy is pretty much two big sermons. And in his sermons, he keeps saying it again and again and again again. Walk in the ways of God. Walk in the ways of God. Walk in the ways of God. And you might say, well, why would Moses want to emphasize that so much? Well, Hebrews chapter 3 recaps part of the time Moses lived through. Hebrews chapter three, verse seven says, "'Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, "'today, if you will hear his voice, "'harden not your hearts as in the provocation "'in the day of temptation in the wilderness, "'when your fathers tempted me, proved me, "'and saw my works forty years. "'Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation,' "'that first generation, and said, "'they do always err in their heart, "'and they have not known my ways. "'So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest.'" Not walking in God's ways will rob you of rest. And Moses knew that first generation did not enter the promised land because they did not walk in the ways of God. And the promised land is referred to as rest throughout the scripture. They missed out on the rest God prepared for them because they would not walk in God's ways. We must awaken to the ways of God if we want to have the year we're supposed to have. Because if you just want to have a year like everybody else on this planet, do your own thing. Do what you want to do. But if you want the year God has for you, you need to walk in the ways of God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, another familiar scripture to a lot of us. We must awake to the ways of God. The world can't see the ways of God. They see partially things, but most of the ways of God is foolishness in them. This is crazy, because spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way, But seek Aim at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. Pay attention to this his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Well, what were those things Jesus was talking about? Matthew 6 talks about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, where you should be clothed, and by implication, where you're going to live, what covers you. All of these things that the Gentiles, people with no covenant are living for. But if you want these things, how many of you want those things? Don't look so spiritual, you want food, you want something to drink, you want nice clothes, you want a nice place to live. You know you want it, don't look at me so spiritual. You know you want these things and Jesus knows you want these things. He said, my father knows you have need of these things. So if you want them, live first of all for my kingdom and seek after God's ways of being right, then, All of these things will be added to you. How many want some addition to your life this year? Did he need to live his way? Because we've seen enough subtraction, enough division. I'm ready for some addition and multiplication. But you're not gonna get it if you do things your way. You're not gonna get it if you live the world's way. See, this is not a year for a decrease in productivity. We're going to have an increase of productivity, but we're going to do it God's way. So that when he gets to the end of the year, he's like, man, I accomplished a lot this year, but I feel refreshed. I feel rested. See, what happens is if you do things your way, you may accomplish a lot of things, but you'll be worn out. You do things the world's way, you're going to lose out. But if you do things God's way, you'll be able to produce what you're supposed to produce, and you'll experience the rest, the refreshing, and the renewal that God has for you. But you must awake to God's ways. You must do things the way he wants you to do them. And as you do those things, he adds things to you. He'll surprise you with stuff. And he's like, God, I didn't even pray for that. He said, oh, I just knew you'd like it. Enjoy. He said, oh, I just knew it would be a blessing to you. Enjoy it. Oh, I had to prepare that for you. But if you want that type of surprises, and into all these other surprises— You're going to walk in the ways of God. The ways of God always produce. Even in 2022, the ways of God still work. People might think you crazy for living for God in 2022 and living actually for God, not for the universe, or living for their version of God who just lets them do whatever they want to do, however they feel like doing it, and they just call it God. It's really themselves. But living for God, the way he tells you to live, they'll tell you you are crazy for forgiving that person. Yeah, but Jesus told me to. Oh, you again with that Jesus. Just, just watch. So I can't believe you tithe. Don't worry about it. Just watch. I can't believe you go to church. Don't worry about it. Just watch. Because some people, you're not going to be able to convince with a debate. You can't. And the, what they need may not be words from your mouth, but it'll be watching your life. Because if they're always commenting about what you did and what you didn't do, that lets you know what? They watching. They watching. So you just need to encourage them, just keep watching. It's going to be good, just watch me. So I can't be just, just keep watching. Get some popcorn, keep watching. Because when God shows up and shows out for you, they will go, that, that Jesus stuff worked. They may not know the right Christianese to say, and don't judge them on it. They don't know. But they'll sense peace when they're around you. They may not call it peace. They may call, man, just the vibes, that energy around you, man, I don't know what it is, but it's good. Yeah. Well, you want to know where those good vibes, that energy comes from? Yeah. Jesus, let me tell you about them. Those are open doors. It may not become because of the words you share, even though you should say the right things. It may not come because of your Facebook post, but you should post the right things. It may just come from people watching you. Not your Instagram filtered life. Just you. In your everyday life. It'll bring people to Jesus if you walk in the ways of God. And if you want your authority to work right, you need to walk in the ways of God. Because if you don't walk in the ways of God and you try to use your authority when something happens, you're going to get pumped. I command you in the name. And it says, I don't have to listen to you. Because it knows you don't believe it. That's why there's some situations that don't move because the enemy knows you don't believe what you're saying because you don't live like it. If you want the authority to work on the highest level, like it's supposed to, like the bishop preached on New Year's, you have to walk in the ways of God. If you want your authority to work right. Because if you don't, your authority will be very, very limited. And what you see in your life is not really a result of your authority. Sometimes it's a result of mercy. You have to use your authority and walk in the ways of God. And on this side note, for the flight attendants who go to faith, nobody's allowed to act crazy on your plane. Because it's not going to look good for the whole family to show up at that gate to deal with it. It's not going to look good. That's not going to be a good look for any of us. But notice this, it's your plane. Well, pastor, I don't own the plane, no, no. no. I'm not the pilot. If you own the plane, it's your plane. When I travel places, when I get on the plane, it's my plane. I don't own Delta or whatever airline flying. But if I'm on the plane, I have authority. And there are things, I'm speaking. Like, no, 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 nobody's acting up on this flight. Nobody's messing with this flight. I plead the blood. This flight will take off safely, travel safely, land safely. No mechanical failures, no electrical failures, no tire failures, no nothing. I plead the blood from the front to the back to the wings. And concerning this cabin, I command peace. And if they need to sleep, knock them out, Jesus. Look, if they can act out Jesus, just give them rest. Just rest in it. Just rest in the rest in the Lord. I'm using my authority. First, I'm not getting on a plane he doesn't tell me to get on. That's number one. When I'm booking flights, I'm checking, sir, is this flight fine? Is it okay for me to be on this flight? I'm checking with them as I'm booking. And then while I'm there, because I have permission and authority to be there, I'm using my authority. Because I don't want nobody going crazy next to me. I have authority. You do too. And so flight attendants and others, you travel for a living, you better make that plane your plane. Every time you get on, I plead the blood. I use my authority. People say, And people who are not part of your normal crew travel, say, I don't know what it is. When I travel with you, everything just goes right. Well, I know why everything goes right. I got authority in the name of Jesus. You get saved, I give you some of this authority too. That's what you got to do. You have authority in your home, but you also have authority in your workplace because that's part of your assignment and you're authorized to be there. And so if you're in a classroom, your classroom is a place of peace. You say, well, I don't know why all the kids behave in your classroom. I know why I got authority. You don't just let things pop off. You use your authority. Some of you say, well, I want to have self-care this year. You better use your authority because if you don't use your authority, you have no self-care. You say, well, it's drama all around my cubicle, but in your cubicle, there can be peace. Why, you have authority. If you do not daily use your authority, Satan will run havoc in your life. You must use your authority. But if you want your authority to work, you gotta walk in the ways of God. You have to live that way. You don't have authority over the whole city, but in your area of the city, you do. And if you happen to be in a place where someone's popping off, you use your authority. Because you don't want someone to pop off and it hit you. I remember one time I was downtown in another city, walking with a group of friends, and across the street, you can see a fight is about to pop off. They're about to get started. Now, look, you don't know what everybody's carrying. I don't want no ricochet up in here. And so I'm across the street. They can't hear me. I said, the authorities, settle that down. They can't hear me. My friends with me could hear me. They couldn't. And what happened? It all calmed down. I turned the corner. They lit it up and started knocking stuff over. What happened? I left. That area no longer concerns me. But while I'm there, I have the authority. And as we talked about, you know, I believe it was on midweek, we can release peace. We talked about the a Faith Plus conference. I remember one time I was out with a group of friends after church. We were having dinner, to, uh, probably brunch or whatever, lunch together. And there was a table next to us turning up. Now, they weren't bothering us, but they were getting louder and louder. They were not drunk on the new wine. And just kept amping up. And I just looked at them. They couldn't hear me. I said, I forgive you. And you know what? It all calmed down. And so my table's looking at me. It's like, you need to explain what you just did. Because all of a sudden, they appear, and all of a sudden, they're like, you know, it's time for us all to go. What'd you do? I said, well, the Bible says who I forgive is forgiven. So I just forgave them. Yeah, they're turning them. Yeah, they might be doing some things that aren't right. I forgave them. So does Jesus. And what was working through them had to calm down. You have to know whose you are, who you are, you have to walk in God's ways and use your authority. Now, your authority cannot change somebody else's will, but your authority can stop the devil in his tracks, and you must use your authority. Now, just because I have this authority doesn't mean I'm a demon hunter. Like I'm Elmer Fudd. Shhh, be very quiet. I'm hunting devils. Today. No, I don't go around hunting devils. I've been in certain cities where I think I told you guys this. Last year we were in New York City last year and walking through the street, and it's my birthday. So I'm looking forward to just having a great day for my birthday, and joining got stuff lined up. And so we're walking towards Central Park where we have something, and I'm walking there. And so you can tell sometimes when there are people who might have had a little bit too much, or some people who have different challenges in their life, or people who are high, or people who are just all the above, or people who got the devil and all the above. And so I'm just walking, and so we walk past a guy, and he just—I don't talk to him. He's became just became like—and he's saying stuff. You know, I'm saved, too. I didn't say nothing about being saved. And he said, you know, I know the Word, and I tell people this. And when I look back on it, he kind of paraphrased things I had preached over the last two years. And I said, well, that's odd. I keep walking. He gets turned up more and more, and he's getting louder. And he just starts cussing at us and cussing at everybody around us. Now, in New York City. It's loud, but you know how loud you got to be for everybody to hear you in New York City? And so at this point, he's turning up. And it's gonna be, it's in a minute, it's gonna either be the authority or the authority of these five fingers. Something is about to stop him if he gets close to my crew. And so we decided to step in, us and a lot of us, decided to stop inside a hotel lobby to let him pass through. And he, it looked like he was gonna turn in, and I yelled, while I was loud for you. I'm not a loud person normally, but I was loud for me. Mark said, you were loud for you. you said, I said, spirit, keep moving. And people looked at me, but well, they didn't care. They just wanted to do keep moving. So why didn't you cast it out? I don't have the authority to do so. I can only cast it out if he crossed the line. He hadn't crossed the line yet, but I have the authority to protect my family, so I had to keep moving. You must use your authority. It's vital in these days. If you want to have the year God has for you, you must use your authority. There are certain things I can handle for some people in their lives because I'm their pastor. Where that's limited, and I can get in agreement with them and handle more, but I'm not supposed to handle everything for you. You're supposed to do it, and then you handle stuff for your kids until they are old enough to know how to do it, and you use your, their authority. I have a brother who was talking about. I think was this. I think one. He has a few stories like this. He was in college, and an enemy spirit came to his room, just walked in, and said, "You know, I could kill you if I wanted to," and he said, "If you could, you'd done it already." And the demon left. He knew his authority. You gotta know who you are. You gotta know whose you are. You gotta know you already have the victory. You must use your authority. There is a real world that you can't see. And although I talked about demons, I want you to know this. The devil is not behind every rock. I like what the man of God once said. The devil is not behind every rock. It's just every other rock. He's not behind everything, but he is behind some things. And he must use your authority. Now, as I said, doesn't mean you walk up to someone and slap on the back of the head and say, "In the name of Jesus, no, that's assault. Don't do that." But in your prayer time, use your authority. Bond the enemy. And should He lead you to do it, you cast out demons. Now past you cast out demons before? Yes. I have. United States and in Zimbabwe and in South Africa. Minister has witnessed a few of those times. Man, the last time in Zimbabwe, they were turned up. Man. But, you know, sometimes before I could cast it out, do you know who cast it out? The church mamas. They were quick with it, too. They knew who they were. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Do you know what you got? See, a lot of times we put up with stuff because we think it's just part of life. We don't realize there's some things came from the enemy, and you have to stop it. And other things came because of you, that it wasn't the enemy. It's like, I rebuke the devil. And he goes, well, it wasn't me. you bad all by yourself. I took a vacation from you. It's just a harvest of things you sow. Walking in the ways of God sows the right seed and enables you to use your authority when the enemy tries something. Go with me to Ephesians chapter five. Start with verse eight, as I begin to bring this so close. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. We must awaken to the ways of God. We must walk in the ways of God. We must walk by faith, walk in love, walk in the spirit, walk in the light. We must walk in forgiveness. We must actually believe and act like the Bible is true and that we really believe the higher ways produce higher results. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. For you were sometimes darkness, but now, say now, are you light in the Lord? Walk or live as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. So once again, we see, wake up. But this word, awake, is not like the word we looked at before. This word means wake up and get up. Not just open your eyes. It means wake up and get up. It's like if you're waking up your teenager and they're late for school. You don't just want them to awaken and open their eyes and lay in bed. No, get up. You got to go to school. Get up. This is what this word's community. Wake up, get up, and get through This is what he's telling the church here. Wake up, get up, and get to moving, and Christ shall give you light. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Pay attention to how you live, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word evil means troublesome. Do we live in troublesome times? Do we live in troublesome days? You don't even have to be saved to call them troublesome. The whole world right now might say, yeah, there's some trouble going on right now. So what is the instructions to the church living in troublesome times? Redeem the time. Say, redeem Redeem. the time. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Let's say it again, say, "redeem redeem the time. See, that's a beautiful phrase. We're like, well, what does that mean? That phrase means take advantage of every single opportunity. Redeeming the time, that phrase means take advantage of every single opportunity. What are you supposed to do in troublesome times? Take advantage of every single opportunity. See, this phrase in the Greek paints the picture of someone going to the marketplace looking for the best deal. How many of you like good deals? How many like buying up good deals? It says take that same mentality when it comes to opportunities that God brings your way and take advantage of every single opportunity God brings your way. Don't say, well, I'll wait for some non-troublesome times to take advantage. I'll wait till my house is quiet. I'll wait till the kids are grown. I'll wait till this, I'll wait till that. No, if the Holy Ghost is leading you to it, you better take advantage of that opportunity. If God opens a door for you, you need to walk through that door because he can open the door and you can just sit on the outside. Oh, I'm just so grateful he opened the door. Oh, isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Minister David, day to sing that song again. God opened that door for me. Let's dance the victory. I'm glad you're grateful for that door, but you need to walk yourself through that door. You have to take advantage of the opportunity. That is your instruction during troublesome times. Take advantage of the opportunities God brings your way. I remember one time in church, the Holy Ghost reminded us through a man of God through tongues, interpretation of tongues, that a lot of people miss opportunities because they're dressed up and they look like work. Because we always want opportunities just to fall. We don't want to do nothing. Come on, Bitcoin, go back up. Come on, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the coins. Come on, just real quick. That'd be nice if that works out for you. More power to you. But some opportunities we miss because it looks like work, and we don't want to put in the work. But the Bible says God will bless the work of your hands. So there are some opportunities that show up and say, oh, that's going to take—that's not five days worth of work. That's a couple years. Put in the work. Because think about this. A few years from now, you're going to look back and be glad you put in the work. So think about future you. Is future you going to be happy with the decisions you make today? One of the things I tell my teenager, hey, make decisions today that your future is going to be happy about. That 18-year-old you turns around and says thank you. That 25-year-old you turns around and says thank you. So you want to take advantage of the opportunities God brings your way so that your future you says thank you. And your future you doesn't kick you going like, why didn't you? I'm not talking now about your past, I'm talking about your present right here. And I'm talking about this year. In the midst of troublesome times. Like, well, I'm gonna wait for these troublesome times to end. No. I'm gonna wait to no more variants. No. Take advantage of the opportunities God brings your way. Do what He's telling you to do. Don't wait for a more convenient seasons. Take advantage of every single opportunity God brings your way. I say, "Well, pastor, there's a lot out there right now, yep, and there always will be a lot out there. And there will always be a reason for you not to take advantage of the opportunity. But instead of being obsessed with all the problems of the world, think about it this the way: You were born for such a time as this. You were born and born again. For these times you are meant to be here during the season which means you are meant to overcome these times that you shouldn't be intimidated by these times you should imit- you should intimidate the times you're here for a reason you're here for a purpose you're here for this time this time is not too much for you yes it's been a lot over the last few years but it's not too much for you you're here for such a time as this. You are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. You are anointed for this time. You are empowered for this time. You are strengthened from this time. You are equipped for this time. You are prepared for this time. So you need to act like it and take advantage of the opportunities God brings your way. Yes, it's a lot, but you're here for a reason. We're here for a reason. And we have to act like the Word is true and be bold and do what God tells you to do. I'm not talking about you come up with your old plans to do So say you do what God is telling you to do, and you take advantage of the opportunities He brings your way. It goes on, it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess and destruction, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Seeking and making melody in your heart to the Lord Giving thanks always for all things unto God And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Submitting yourselves one another In the reverence or the fear of God Go with me to Romans 13 These are our instructions during this time We must walk in the ways of God We must take advantage of every single opportunity And we must use our authority Because too many people say Well I'll just wait till another time I'll just wait till this whole thing is over well, when is that going to happen? Well, we don't know. And so are you really going to put your call on hold just because it's something bad going on in the world? Newsflash, there's always going to be something bad going on in the world. You need to take some time and pray, research, figure out what the will of the Lord is for your life, and actively take steps to do it. Even if you're just in a season of preparation, because not all of you are in a season of stepping out. Some of you are in a season of preparation. Then you need to prepare. By it this way. Let's just use an example. Let's say you are called to be a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country, but it's not time for you to go yet. Do you know what you could do right now? Learn Spanish. It's simple. It doesn't seem deep or spiritual, but it's something you can learn. It's a season of preparation. And as Bishop would always say, preparation is never lost time. So take advantage of your opportunities to prepare. Prepare so you can walk into the future God has for you. Stop clinging to your past. It's time to go into your future. And the future before you is bright. It's as bright as God can make it. But you're going to have to walk through that door and go to your future. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. More instructions to us. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Notice what it says this. Next. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, say now, is our salvation nearer than when we believed. This word awake means wake up and get up and get to moving. Say wake up, get up, and get to moving. Put it online in the chat and say wake up, get up. And get to moving. Notice why he says we need to do these things. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness or clubbing and drinking and all that, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision. For the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He says, we must awaken and get up and get to moving because Jesus is coming back, and we have to act like I'm not saying He's coming back tonight or coming back this year, but He is returning one of these days. If He doesn't return our generation, we're just one generation closer to His return. But we're supposed to act like He's coming back because He is. We're supposed to fulfill our call because He is returning, we're supposed to be like archipists like we talked about last week and fulfill the will of God for our lives because Jesus is returning. It's not time for us to keep taking the blue pills and taking naps going back into the matrix. Well, one day I'll get, you know, I'll get back doing what God told me to do. Nope, stop taking naps in the matrix. Stop taking the blue pill. Stop being offended with everybody. Stop being the cause of of being offensive with people. Stop being mad about everybody online. They post something stupid. They're gonna keep posting something stupid. What is that deep saying from that movie? Stupid is or stupid does. Leave it, leave it alone. You just say, God bless their darling heart and their, well, unrenewed mind, just leave it there. Don't let them get, stop. If Facebook is causing you to be offended, delete the app. The only person that has to be on Facebook is if you work for Facebook or your job requires you to be on Facebook. If Facebook is calling you to trip, delete the app. Stop allowing Satan to give you blue pills and you just it's knocking them down like these Skittles. Stop going back into the matrix. Stop taking naps in the matrix. Live awakened. Walk in the ways God has for you. So get up and do what? Walk in the ways of God and what else? Go to Isaiah 60 as we close. Isaiah 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness of the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The word shine means to be or become light. It means to ignite. It means to be enlightened. It means to be illuminated. All of these definitions for this word, we see instructions for us to do in the New Testament, commands to the church to do these things. But I just love that the word shine means to ignite. Because the thing is, it's not just enough for us to take the red pill for ourselves and live awakened. We have to become Morpheus and get others to wake up as well. Offer the opportunity for them to wake up as well. Offer them the opportunity to live the life that God has for them. And it's not always in our words or our persuasive conversations but it's gonna be in our lifestyle and in our prayer life and actively doing what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, and as a church. The individuals, families, and as a church. It's all three of those areas. That's how we ignite. That's how we shine. As Jesus says, "'You are the light of the world. "'A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. "'Neither do men light a candle, "'put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, "'and it gives light unto all that in our house.' Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. To ignite an awakening, we must do what God has called us to do as individuals, as families, as a church family. We have to think differently because one of the reasons I'm doing all these messages before I actually share the vision for what we're doing in 2022 and beyond in 2023 and et cetera is because we have to have a mind shift we're not going to do things like we used to do them. We will not be blockbuster in the age of Netflix. One of the things I was sharing with Pastor Kerr about some things we're going to do and I'll announce later, and I said, I want to point out it's not like we used to do these things. That's not how we used to do it, because we're in a different time. And the thing is, this church, there's so many of you that you're not—some of you have just joined, you just got saved, you're growing the things of God, keep growing. But some of you are at a point of maturity where it's time for you to teach others and pour into others. I'm not telling you that God's called you a priest, I'm not putting you in the pulpit, putting a mic in your hand, I'm not doing that. But you've reached a stage where it's time for you to pour out more. And we'll do that together as a faith family and we'll reach more people. Because some of you got more word in you than you knew. You just need the opportunity to pour it out. And you don't need the pulpit to do it. Your life's a pulpit. But together, We're going to get this done. Together, we're going to ignite an awakening that Pax George influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Together, we're gonna have 21 plus locations in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, and the Southeastern United States. It's what we're gonna do together. What we have accomplished in the last two years in the midst of a pandemic, like how do you do it? Jesus, a whole lot of Jesus and caffeine, but a whole lot of Jesus. We've accomplished a lot together, but we are just getting started we will ignite this awakening. But for us to ignite it, we must think differently. We must not be married to the methods, but married to the message. We must not cling to the past, like we talked about last week, and stay at the Brook Cherith. We had to go forward into Zarephath, into what God has for us. We can't just so fall in love with what God did that we miss what he's doing. So too many denominations fall into that trap. They fall in love with what God did, and then they fight what God is doing. We must be those who always keep moving with the Holy Ghost. They keep moving with the Holy Ghost. We cannot be inebriated with the world's ways, but we must choose the red pill consistently and awaken and stay awake. You see, it's a controversial phrase right now. You know, are you woke? But I'll let you know there's some woke people and anti-woke people who still asleep. Fighting over who's woke, who's not woke, they all sleep. But God has called us to wake the woke and wake the sleep. And wake the anti-woke. Because your political differences are not shown in your salvation. We have to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. We have to do what God has called us to do because we're here for such a time as this, and there are people on the other side of our obedience. It's not just what us, our four, and no more being blessed, just people in church walls. We have to think about the people who are outside of the church walls. There are certain examples I do with messages or with Wednesday night messages that some of you is like, oh, well, that's cool, but that doesn't really reach me. But it's not just for you. It's about somebody else who would never walk through the church doors. There's an example I did earlier this year, and Brother Eddie could uh, witness to this, that I did specifically to reach people who would never open up the Bible. But they opened up the message because I talked about WandaVision. They loved the show. So they sat through an entire message. It was an opportunity to reach them. We have to take advantage of every single opportunity in troublesome times. We can't just think about what we used to do. We have to walk in what the Holy Ghost has for us today. And everything we do, be filled with the Spirit. Because the only thing we're, way we're effective is if the Holy Ghost does it. Because if not, we just had a good religious gathering. Oh, well, good religious people, but religion ain't gonna say nobody. The Holy Ghost, the agent of salvation, can. That's why we're spirit filled people. That's why we walk in the ways of the Spirit. That's why we let the Holy Ghost move to whatever He wants to do. Because we understand five minutes yielding to the Holy Ghost can do better than five years of us doing our own thing. But the Holy Ghost is the most innovative person and creative person you'll ever meet. He has innovative and creative ways for you as an individual, as a family. And for us as a church, you just gotta listen to him. I like what this Pentecostal father said, he says, if you listen to the Holy Ghost, he'll make you look smart. If you don't, you'll look normal. It's time to stop looking normal. It's time to reflect the genius of the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. Because when people look like, well, well, I know your background and your education. How did you do that? His name is Jesus. You want to know him? It's moving forward into the future God has for us. It's walking out the path that God has for us. It's flowing into the things of the Spirit of God. Walking and going forth and walking and going forth. And as and it's set the car. It's a shukrushita. It's a It's a moving forward with me it is keeping your eyes on me and not the trouble of the times. It's walking with me, keeping your eyes on me, watching how I do it. And as you go forward with me, I'll empower you to do everything. So if you have to cast out a devil, it's my power working through you. If you have to move a mountain, it's my power working through you. If things must change, it will change because I'm working with you and you're yielding to my ways. So don't be so stuck about what used to be or how it happened before. Walk with me. Talk with me. Know that I am your Savior, and I love you, and I'm walking with you every single step of the way. That's what it is. It's walking with him. It's knowing that, as he said, we're partners. That's what First John says, all chapter 1, about how to partner with him, how to fellowship with him. Notice what he said in the Gospels, how we're yoked together. He says, take my yoke upon you. That means we're working together closely. As he just reminded us through tongues and interpretation of tongues, that's what he's doing. And if you want this year to be what you dream for it to be, you got to work with him. Because he also said in the Gospel of John, without me, you can do nothing. So I did something without him. Well, eventually, it's going to be nothing. But if you want things to work out and you want things that last, you have to walk with Jesus. You have to walk with him. You have to continually check in with him. You have to be open to hearing from him. And he will cause things to work out for your good. You say, I don't know how this could work out for my good. He has a way. But you got to yield to his way. We must walk in the ways of God. We must flow in the ways of God. Because there is a flow. There is a flow. There is a flow that you must step into. There is a flow that you must go with. Stop resisting the flow. Stop going against the flow, but flow. When you flow, that's where the rest comes. When you flow, that's where the refreshing comes. When you flow, that's where the rest is. When you flow with me and don't resist me, you'll get more done and you'll get to the destination quicker than you thought you would and you'll get there refreshed. So flow with me, says the Spirit of God. Walk with me, stay in step with me and we'll get things done together. Things that I want you to do and I rejoice greatly for and things you're gonna rejoice greatly about and together we'll get it done. Together as individuals, as families, to gather as a church, you'll get it done. But you got to walk with me. You got to stay in step with me. Some of you need to catch up. Some of you need to pause a bit and ask me what I want you to do. Don't fall behind and don't be ahead. Walk in step with me. Flow with me. And you'll realize the life I've called you to live is a life that removes burdens, is a life that destroys oppressive yokes, It's a life that makes a difference. It's a life that ignites an awakening. It's a life that will cause other people to fall in love with the Son of God. It's that life you have to walk in, not just when you come to church, not just when you log online, but every single day. Let my love, let my light, let my power shine through you, and you'll make a difference wherever you go. Praise God. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah. We must impact our community. We must flow with the Spirit of God. We must continually go forward and do what God's called us to do. We must continually walk in the ways of God. Not take Satan's blue pills, but make sure we're continually choosing to be awakened and living a life that helps other people to awake as well. Living with fresh sight and insight that we put on, as it were, different type of glasses, and we see th- into areas that we never saw before. Because if you can see things that no one else can see, you can do things what other people can't do, and you get things other people can't get. You have to have enlightened eyes in this time, and not just depend on what everybody else is saying, and depending on what the news is saying, depending on what else on social media is saying. You have to depend on the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you and be a person that stays in the book. And then you'll be able to walk out and do what God has for you. And in doing this, we will impact our communities. I'll share more about this next week and share more in detail about the organizations we are partnered with, that we are a blessing to on a regular basis so we help feed our communities on a regular basis. Partnering with organizations that are making a difference, partnering with organizations that are blessing the single mothers, I love their vision statement. It equips them to choose life, but it doesn't just leave them there after the baby's born. It sticks with them for a couple years to help them walk down that path. Another organization I'm looking forward to sharing you with is about one that is leading the conversation on racial reconciliation. Because the government can't fix it. It's the job of the church to do so. And if we want things to be different in our times, we have to step up and do what God has called us to do. Some will be things that we do as a faith family. One church, many locations. Other things will be people we partner with. Other things will be just some other idea altogether the Holy Ghost gives us. But together, we'll walk in it. Together, we'll make a difference. Together, we will ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influence the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Each of you has a part, or as the Apostle Paul said twice in the Scriptures, each of you has a supply. Every one of us brings a supply. So when my supply doesn't look like yours, that's great. You don't need another supply of mine. We need yours as we come together to do what God has called us to do. Praise God. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthen you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook